Welcome in to another edition of Reason Roundup, and I should say this is the last edition of 2020. I'm James Boyd here with Mike Clark. Mike, we've made it through the uh, the unimaginable, you know, at the start of this thing. I don't know, man. This, is, uh, this has been a year, hasn't it? Um, when you think back uh, to uh, March, and we did not know what we were getting into. Uh, and we've said it, you know, on this podcast, uh, you know, it's been a running theme, obviously. And, uh, you know, we can't, uh, we can't not keep talking about it for sure. It's been a, an amazing year in so many ways and a lot of them bad, unfortunately. Um, you know, we, uh, First of all, I want to say thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to everyone for reading. Thanks to everyone for supporting local journalism. It's so important um, right now because uh, there's some big stories um, out there. And uh, I'm going to tease this a little bit. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, so this will be going up a little bit later. But uh, James uh, has some really cool stories coming up. Um, in the next uh, three four days, so uh, please uh, keep an eye on his social media, the Times social media, WI Sports, WI Preps. Um, some really cool stories coming up, um, and uh, that's it. No spoiler alert uh, <laughs> because no spoilers, no spoilers coming. But uh, those are going to be some really cool stories. So anyway, uh, that being said, now that I've got your attention, hopefully. Uh, it's football award season, um, and uh, the three people that uh, you wrote about, uh, I thought all were um, incredibly deserving. Uh, we have the Offensive Player of the Year, JoJo Johnson of Barrowville, the Defensive Player of the Year, Bobby Babcock of Hobart, and the Coach of the Year, Rick Good from Calumet, and uh, just a few of my thoughts, you know, kind of from the sidelines, I guess, so to speak. Um, you know, uh, JoJo Johnson, we talked about him. It's like, I, I can't recall a kid who's recruiting has taken off like his has, uh, you know, going from being committed to Northern Illinois, decommitting committing to Cincinnati, which, you know, wound up being a you know, top 15 team, I think, this year. Um uh, then decommitting from the Bearcats to commit to Notre Dame, uh, which doesn't happen a lot around here. Um, but like you said, I mean, he took some tremendous strides. We talked about this a little bit last year. He just made some tremendous strides um, as a player, um, moving up from playing at Morton to playing at Merrillville, playing some of the top teams in the state and looking really good. Bobby Babcock, um, you know, just the personification of what it means to be a Hobart football player, I would say. Just a real hard-nosed defensive guy, um, you know, which Coach Don Howe uh, would have been so proud of um, if he were still around. And there's a few coaches, you know, from the Howell era who are still around. I know Tom Kerr, Donnie Rogers um, uh, are still around, and uh, among others, and... Uh, so, yeah, and then Rick Good, what a tremendous job to hold this program together. It looked like they were not going to have a season. They knew that they had a great group of players. Um, 
and he kept them believing, and they came back to play um, after uh, being sidelined like uh, many other teams at the beginning of the year on a sectional championship, which has been kind of the holy grail of that program forever. Um, and, uh, yeah, so three uh, really deserving people, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it was uh... – the offensive player of the year with JoJo Johnson was pretty easy choice. He was the clear cut best all around player in my opinion um, in in the region. And obviously, to go to Notre Dame, you have to be pretty pretty darn good not only in the region but in the country. Um, and then for Rick Good, that was a pretty easy choice as well. Um, first uh, football sectional title in program history. Um, they only played a handful of. Uh, regular season game. They lost more than half of the regular season due to COVID-19. Um, at one point in the, in the state tournament, they were, the, the, the of all the teams that were left at one point, they had played the least amount of games, you know, and, and they knocked off a Hanover Central team that had played every week uh, to, to win the sectional championship. So that was an awesome story to write as well. Uh, touched on it in previous story. I didn't do it as much so in this Coach of the Year story, but um, some of the conversations I had with Coach Good just throughout the year, and throughout the time I've known him is like he's kind of, you know, bet on the scrappy kids, um, you know, in Gary. And, uh, you know, Calumet's not like West Side. It's not, you know, Hammond. You know, it's not, you know, one of these, uh, I guess, higher level uh, schools with like a big, you know, history and tradition um, in the Hammond. Even East Chicago, you know, in, in those uh, areas um, with honestly predominantly black, you know, athletes. But. Uh, he, you know, he, he was saying, you know, as the as the Mount Carmel grad, uh, football is kind of what brought him, you know, to to Calumet and what what made it possible for him to kind of bridge that gap between his reality and his players' reality and the things they go through. And you know, it, it was cool to kind of see a guy who was really invested in them as people help them accomplish something on the field, um, which you know, some might not seem like a big deal, but to those players, man, they were really hurt when they were out. And couldn't play, so to come back and to not only win a sexual championship, to win it in a dominating fashion, they won thirty-eight to twenty-one. Um, that was that was pretty cool, and obviously a no-brainer in my eyes as to who the coach of the year was. Um, and that's no disrespect to anybody else in the region because there are a lot of great coaches. And then I will say for defensive player of the year, that was a little tougher, Mike. Like it came down. I don't know if you, I've ever even talked about this publicly, but I guess you know, shout out to those who look to the pod, but. The three it came down to were Bobby Babcock from from Hobart, uh, Cooper Jones from Valpo, and Drake Bowen from uh, Andran. And all three had phenomenal individual seasons. All, all three had teams that did really well. Um, Bobby and and, uh, and and Cooper were even named Mr. Football at their positions, um, linebacker and defensive lineman respectively. And then, uh, you know, only reason Drake probably didn't get consideration is just because he wasn't a senior. He's only a sophomore, but I mean, all three of those three guys, I was like, I was really thinking like, I want to be in a short, short time, but those three guys had absolutely dominant seasons. And it was, it was kind of crazy to look at their stats side by side. And at the end of the day, I think we'll put Bobby over the edge was getting to the state championship. Um, an unbelievable 36 tackles for losses. Um, and then also... <laughs> There was a stretch in like the semi-state game with Logansport where he had about four or five plays where he just completely like changed momentum of the game. I believe he had like a you know a couple sacks and maybe like a blocked punt or something like that. It was just 
where he truly imposed his will. Not saying the others didn't, but I mean, I, I feel like it, if you chose any of those three, you probably could have, you know, made an argument. But obviously, we went with Bobby, and I don't think I was wrong or, or our staff was wrong in any way. Yeah. Mike, when I saw it, I'm thinking, like, is this a typo? Like, what? Like, that's unheard of. And again, you know, Cooper's got Dylan Dingman on the other on the other uh, end of the defensive uh, line, you know, getting some attention. Bobby was their marquee guy. Um, and obviously, they had a really great defense, but he's the only, you know, uh, Division One interior uh, defensive guy that they had. And, and, and he's still. Absolutely right. dominant. I mean, he had a forced fumble in the state championship. Granted, they got they got lost and it was lopsided, but he still forced a fumble in true Bobby Babcock fashion. You know, in the, in the last game of the year, so that was nuts. Right. And then um, it, it was a great year overall, I believe, for football. Just because, like you said at the beginning of the pod, I, I did not envision us even making it through a full season, and then we ended up having a team down at state for the second year in a row. And you know, when all area came out, I was pretty excited about it, just to kind of cap off the year. Um, people were obviously telling me I was absolutely right or absolutely wrong. Um, and Mike, I took the high road this time. I did not respond as I normally would because honestly, I've been working a lot trying to get, like you said, some of these, uh, really cool stories I have up my sleeve out. But, you know, I was like, you know what? I do this every year whenever this comes out and I'm sure it'll be the same thing on basketball. Um, all area comes out for girls and boys. There's always like, you know, I, I get messages like, you know, wait, this isn't just based off stats. You know, my stats are better or this this kid's stats are better. Or, and I'm like, if it was that easy, like, you know, all area would take me 10 minutes to do, you know. But if I but I, but Mike, you know, we're laughing. But, you know, I think it's it's pretty funny when people say that because then, you know, you open a can of worms and it's like, OK, well, Jojo had 14 touchdowns from Maryville. Is he not the best offensive player in the area? So that's that's where it kind of comes in. I know it, it gets a little dicier when you move further down into like second team and honorable mention and things like that. You know, I got uh, you know players that were in you know looking through all conference lists, all state. I think people don't realize how thoroughly I take the process and our staff does. Like you know, I sent out a survey to every coach in the region, asking them for the nominations, asking them not only for you know for their players, but also who are some of the players you faced that caught your attention right. that you think you know deserve recognition and things like that. Which is why you kind of get like offensive linemen and things like there's no stats on offensive linemen so you have to ask a bunch of coaches what, what they think and things like that but overall um, I'm happy with the outcome glad that it's over honestly because uh, all areas are something that I enjoy it when it's out but man when you're doing it it just takes so much time to do it I believe justice and not just you know like some people I guess I assume I do go based off just stats <laughs> yeah and I've I've done some all area teams in the past, and I am totally there with you. But the one thing about stats, um, well, there's two things about stats. Number one, at the high school level, um, some of them uh, are a little, uh, I don't know. Generous. I don't think, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be kind here, you know. I mean, uh, there's not like a set standard. Um, and you look at some of the stats and you wonder, hmm, I don't know about those. But, I mean, uh, the other thing is that, uh, you know, in cases like uh, JoJo and Cooper Jones, I mean, Cooper Jones, teams will run away from him, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to get stats when you're Cooper Jones and you're getting double teamed um, and teams are scheming to stay away from you. Um, but that's, you know, so there's not really a stat for affecting the game when you're a D-line, but necessarily. 
Kelly, and I mean, as far as uh, JoJo is concerned, they had a lot of pretty good offensive players on that team. And they were loaded. You know, Merrillville is not going to force something that's not there for JoJo. You know, if there's somebody else who's wide open, um, what are you going to do? You're going to throw to the other guy. And yeah. the fact that JoJo was still able to do some crazy things, you know, with the attention he was getting from you know other defenses and. Obviously, I know he was he was in special teams too. You know, he, they used him there too. And I remember seeing some crazy plays on Twitter and stuff too. You know, where he would, you know, juke people out of their shoes, basically. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, stats are not everything. You know, it, it's the eye test in a lot of cases. And, you know, I would tell the folks who are listening, James saw a lot of football. You know, and uh, you saw. You know, these players usually against other good players, and that gave you the ability to kind of gauge them. And, and again, you know, the fact that, uh, that Bobby and uh, Cooper were uh, Mr. Football at their positions, you know, says something too. Obviously, but the coaches, you know, from around the state paid attention to that as well. So, um, moving on to uh, some big news on Christmas Day, no less. Um, Christopher Mattis from Lowell, uh, committing to Appalachian State. And uh, one of the things that I think, I don't know if it was, was it you or somebody else who posted, um, like this rapid fire dunk reel. Uh, oh, yeah, I retweeted that, but yes. Oh, my Chris, goodness. Christopher just uh, attacking the rim, uh, which I know you like. Um, we all <laughs> like that. You know, it's like. And it also got me thinking about Tyson Chavez, too. I was wondering uh, if we're going to get an update on uh, his dunking exploits as well this year. So um looks like, you know, Lowell could be Dunk City uh, just between the two of them. You know, cause, <laughs> you know, we, we had some fun with that last year, you know, Tyson being, what, 5'9 or whatever, you know, and dunking. Um, that was kind of a cool thing to see. And, you know, Christopher is obviously the guy who's, you know, almost a foot taller and very capable of putting down some highlight reel ones too. So, uh, interesting to see him, you know, pick Appalachian state. Um, you know, it sounds like a good fit for him. Yeah. I joked with him. I was like, man, you got me working on the holiday. Um, but it was, it was cool. I mean, it was a commitment stories are usually pretty, uh, cookie cutter in a sense. You know, you ask them why they chose them, what stuck out. But I think the cool thing about it was he, he did a really cool video. For those of you who haven't checked it out, um, you can search his name on Instagram, Christopher Mantis, or you know go to his Twitter page. Um, he's got a nice video out uh, basically detailing um, you know his decision, his journey. Um, and it, it's a cool way to do it. I've seen videos from a bunch of kids, and it was, it was right on par with some of the, the, the better ones I've seen. You know, Similar to like the Io Do, Dosumu um, returning to Illinois video he put out. Shout out my Illini. Um, but... Yeah, it, it, it was it was fun to, to talk to him on, on Christmas, um, mainly because, you know, he's a really, really, really like, you know, down to earth kid um, comes from a very tight knit family. So it made sense that he would in particular would commit on Christmas because, you know, his, his older brother was back home from college. Um, step stepdad was there as well. And they all had on their their Appalachian State gear. And um, it was it was it was cool. I, I joke with him that. um you know, now that he may work on Christmas, he got to work a little harder in the gym. But I have no, you know, uh, issues with that. I, I don't think he'll he'll cheat the grind. But yeah, I mean, 
He's a heck of a player. I think he's on pace to possibly be, you know, an Indiana All-Star. He's an Indiana Junior All-Star last year. Um, this year, he's putting up, you know, off the top of my head, I think it's like 29 and 10. Um, you know, he put up a career-high 48 points, which is too shy of, like, the the, the program record at, at Lowell. So, um, he's a stud. And, and by all means, I mean, I had no idea. I, I was honest, I will say I was shocked that he chose Appalachian State. I don't know where I really chose, thought he would go. I know he had offers in the past from Drake, Valpo, Ball State, Incarnate Word, um, and others. But, you know, App State's kind of far. So uh, I was kind of shocked to see him go that far. But um, he, he was telling me, a little, I guess a little teaser from the story, that when he went, um, the town uh, of Boone really uh, treated him really, really well uh, when he was there. Even though it, he couldn't have, like, an official visit due to COVID-19 stuff, they still um, found unique ways to basically host him, you know, and his family. So uh, that was awesome. And, and again, I mean, his mom was telling me, you know, thank you for working on Christmas, but commitment stories are, are pretty easy. They don't take too long. And, and I'm always excited to write them just because those kids will never know truly what it means to be in debt for college because I'm living it right now. And, um, you know, I'm doing well for myself. No complaints. But, I mean, no debt. I, I just tell them, hey, you already won and, and just keep winning. Yeah. Um, and uh, as uh, those of you uh, who follow James on social media now, I got a little bit of unexpected expense the other day. Um, <laughs> after coming out for my long day of hoops coverage at the Lake Central Girls Tournament, he came out to a flat tire. So, yeah, it's like uh, uh, another thing that fit uh, into the budget is, uh, and you think about, uh, you know, let me say something here off on a, on a small tangent. It's like um, what I was saying before about how James saw a lot of football, which makes him eminently qualified to pick the All-Area team. He's seen a lot of basketball. He's seen a lot of baseball. Uh, he saw Chesterton boys soccer this year, um, winning the state championship. Uh, folks, uh, <laughs> and I know that, uh, you know, we uh, we see a lot of chatter. Um, I guess I'll put it that way um, on social media about this, that, and the other thing. But one thing I can guarantee you is that uh, James is out in the community, um, even in this year, um, where it's harder to do. Uh, and he's seeing games. I mean, he's talking to kids. He's talking to coaches. He's talking to parents. Um, folks, the opinions that you get, um, you know, expressed in uh, who winds up making all area, who winds up being in the top 10 um, in our various rankings. This is not James just sitting at home and guessing. This is James getting out there and seeing all these athletes and teams in person. So, uh, you know, you can disagree and, you know, and and we appreciate, you know, friendly disagreements, um, you know, and, uh, but everything that we do is based on uh, observation. And, uh, and, uh, and facts. So, uh, yeah, and, and I'll also, just, I'll, I'll just put that out there. So I appreciate it, Mike. And, and one thing I also throw out there too, is I will admit that, you know, uh, some of the all area selections may have been swayed. I even may have been, they were probably swayed due to COVID-19. You know, if a team was only able to play a handful of games, as opposed to a team that may have played a full season, you know, those things, Unfortunately, factor in, is it fair? No, but that's that's the reality of, you know, the year we're in. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that 
you know, that doesn't factor in as much, but it definitely was a factor when I'm looking at certain players and certain teams. And I mean, for crying out loud, Merrillville received three to, you know, they, they re- received a couple of division one players or division one caliber players because Morton shut down. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm not blaming Morton. I'm not blaming Merrillville, but again, like, was it, you know, teams look at, oh, that's unfair. It's not, but that's just the reality of what we had to deal with in a unique year. And, you know, it's not like, I think people kind of get confused. Like it's not all NBA where they're all playing in one league on one level. You know, you got different classes, different schedules. And again, this year, different teams playing a different amount of games. And then also even just getting, I guess, more into the, the teeth of things. Yes, you can tell me a kid had these awesome stats and, I, and I'll definitely look at them. But also I have to look and see, OK, what did you do against comparable composition? You know what I mean? Like if you rush for 100 yards against a team that's not good and then the next week, you you know, you rush for, for two yards against a team that's really good. Who are you really as a player? You know what I mean? I'm not dissing anybody, but it also you have to look at, OK, what did you do against the best teams on your schedule? I think that's I think honestly, that's that was a fair a very fair thing I try to use in any sport. It's like, yes, I look at your season stats. And, 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 and again, you always have about 10 players, you know, okay, they're, they're all their first team anyways. But you still want to look and see, OK, what did you do against the best of the best that you face? So, you know, never a perfect system. There is some, you know, human bias in it. But I, I will say I, I truly um, I care about it to do it to the best of my ability. But once I do that, I no longer care about like you know, the chatter, the opinions and things like that, just because I know it's not personal. Like I've written about literally at this point, uh, hundreds of, of kids, you know, in my three years in the region, two and a half, three years. So I, I know for a fact, you know, I, no one can ever say it's like a personal gripe I have against a kid because I truly, you know, don't care enough to to do that. So there you go. <laughs> I know. And that kind of segues us into uh the next item on uh, our list here, um, doing well against good teams. Um, you know, and uh, Courtney Blakely, Bishop Knoll, girls basketball standout, um, she got the opportunity to play against Crown Point. And the reason that that was kind of significant is, is um, you know, Courtney Blakely has been putting up crazy numbers against uh, teams in her conference. You know, and now she got a chance to play a great team. And she still put up her numbers. Um, you know, certainly Crown Point is a much better team than Bishop Knoll, and that showed in the final score. But I know Chris uh, Sutton from uh, Crown Point, you know, took time out to compliment Courtney Blakely about how good a player she was. And again, I, remember, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but she put up a typical Courtney Blakely stat Yeah, I believe line. she had so, about 29 that game. The team scored 47 overall. Um, and yeah. you know, she's, she's unstoppable as an individual. I haven't seen anybody slow her down. Um, according to max prep, she's leading the, the, the state in scoring, which we can touch on a bit here, uh, in a sec, Mike, I don't know if you saw the numbers, but they were nuts. These, you know, this week in particular, uh, yeah, yeah she scored 99 in two games. So yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. She scored 49 against lighthouse in a 75 59 win. Um, which, you know, caught my attention, of course. And I'm thinking, all right, well, that's incredible. You know, and, and to remind people, these are 32-minute games. Um, she had 49 <laughs> points. And I'm thinking, wow, like, that's her career high, you know. And then and part of me, as, as a basketball guy, is like, man, she was one short of 50. 
you know, and 50 is kind of like that number in basketball where you're like, you know, I dropped 50. Like 50 is like the number, <laughs> you know, to, to try to get to, you know. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, she's one shot of 50. Like that's, you know, I, I, I can imagine as, as a hooper, it probably might, might have stuck, in her, stuck with her a little bit. Like, oh, I missed a shot here or there. I could have 50. And then two days later, um, on the 30th, and this was just yesterday against River Forest, she scored 50 even. Um, and did it efficiently. I think she shot something like 16 to 23 from the field or something like that. Hit five threes. Um, and it's just nuts. She scored 50 points and River Forest scored 50 as a team. Um, so that kind of lets you know the level she's at. And also, some, you know, honestly, some of the drop off between talent levels or different programs, things like that. Programs are at different stages. I know River Forest is pretty young. They're trying to build, you know, for the future. But, um, like I said, 32-minute game, 50 points is unbelievable. And she has one more game this week against South Bend St. Joe. Um, they're a really good uh, 3A program. I'll be at that one on Saturday to check out, you know, a, a bunch of region teams. I'm at the Mac Jokes Invitational, but she'll um, most likely eclipse 100 points in, you know, a week. So that, to me, Mike, is nuts. And, I mean, I knew she was good, and we've all kind of known that throughout her high school career. Um, obviously, even with her her last name, her mom being a great player. Um, Courtney's definitely making a name for herself in her own right. And um, again, to <laughs> to follow up 49 with 50 uh, is pretty pretty crazy. And um, I, I definitely feel like she's uh, one of the better scorers the region has seen in girls basketball. And probably the best, you know, I was talking to some guys and, and, and coaches and, and players around the region, she's probably the best girls basketball scorer the region has seen since Dana Evans, who's now at, you know, Louisville and and is probably going to be um, in the running for a national player of the year and, and, and also probably going to be in that top five for the WNBA draft. So um, she's, she's, she's putting up numbers that you haven't seen since Dana, which was a few years back. And Dana was an All-American, you know, for, for Bring Down's All-American. So... Um, you know, great rarefied air to be in. And, and honestly, I'm going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see her. I haven't seen her this year yet, um, but I'm excited to see her. And uh, if she scores more than 50 on Saturday, um, you know, I might just like, you know, just have to find a fire extinguisher to, to put her out a little bit. We'll see. <laughs> and uh, I guess, uh, unfortunately, we have to segue to the topic of the year. Uh, more basketball, but uh, final COVID-19 basketball update for 2020. I don't think it's going to be the last COVID-19 update, but uh, you want to take that away on where we're at. Uh, yeah, so I uh, I posted a, a quick one yesterday about uh, Crown Point of Boys basketball. They're on hold um, due to COVID-19, and that, makes, that marks the 19th uh, boys basketball program out of 44. Um, in the region that have had to stop, you know, and miss, miss a game or pause activities this season. Um, and then on the girls' side, we've had 29 out of the 43 programs in Northwest Indiana that have had to stop and or miss a game or pause activities. Um, and again, the reason why there's 44 boys' basketball teams that we cover and 43 girls' basketball teams is because um, Hammond Academy of Science and Technology doesn't, doesn't have a varsity girls' basketball team. So uh, that's why it's one off just for anybody, you know, who's looking at this like, oh, you know, why, why isn't even. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was kind of disappointing to, to write that because um, Crown Point was supposed to be in the Chesterton Classic 
uh, which is like a boys basketball shootout on Tuesday. Um, they had to withdraw, which you know obviously made me think like, oh, what's going on? Um, so I de- I reached out to the their AD and he confirmed you know what everyone assumes. But again, I never want to assume anything. I definitely want to at least um, you know look out and, and see or, or check in and see what's really going on. Um, can't go based off rumors and what you know mom and dad or or, or the folks on Facebook and Twitter uh, DM me every now and then. I, I appreciate the heads up. From those of you who want to keep me aware, but I always got to verify with the source from the school. And um, honestly, there's probably there's a couple more schools I have to check in with, Mike. But, you know, with it being the holiday season, um, you know, I'm not going to be blasting out emails on Christmas and not Christmas uh, on uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. I figured I'll just get back on the, the, the COVID-19 horse um, probably, uh, you know, Monday. I won't even say it's a horse, just just the grind of, of trying to get those stories out. And one thing I do want to mention, um, the only boy, only boys or girls basketball program in the region that hasn't played a game yet is Hobart boys basketball. Um, they have not played a game yet um, this season and their next scheduled game is uh, for Griffith on the January 5th. So I'll keep an eye on that one. Um, I'm probably going to end up trying to uh, possibly cover it just because. Um, you know, they've had, they had a unique fall with the football team making it really far. So they pushed back their season to, to give their football players who play basketball time to get their basketball practices in. And then they had some contact tracing things go on and, and then they had to, uh, I believe withdraw from a holiday tournament. So it's just a lot going on with that program. Um, so I think hopefully after a hard reset, um, over this, uh, holiday break, you know, uh, allows them to be able to get back on the court. Um, you know, again, which is it's kind of crazy. Like their last game that they played was, you know, back in March, if you think about it, you know, at the onset of all of this. Um, so it's kind of crazy that they have gone, you know, and this this entire, you know, we're months into the season at this point and they haven't played a game. So that kind of like gives you a reality of what, you know, some teams have had to deal with. I know there are others around the state that haven't played a game as well, but that's the only one in the region. And um, yeah, man, it, it's 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 a grind, Mike. It, it's something we talk about constantly, even when we're not on the podcast. Um, it's affected uh, our lives in ways we could never could imagine. And like you said, that's kind of been the theme of 2020. I mean, I will never forget you told me to write a coronavirus story, um, and this was March 7th. I went out to the sectional championship. It was Couts and 21st Century at Couts. Um, covered that game. You told me, hey, beforehand, talk to their AD, get a few quotes about the coronavirus pandemic and, you know, what they might do, you know, to keep people safe and sanitize, things like that, just in case this thing becomes a big deal. And I was thinking, oh, my editor's, you know, asking for this useless story, um, you know, like he's being not even useless. I was just thinking, man, like he's really being like just over, you know, uh, I want to say over for gosh, I was just thinking, wow, he's really urgent about this. And obviously, I can tell you you're serious about it. And obviously, I'm going to do, you know, what I'm told. And, and I and I ended up, I remember, I was sitting at my grandma's house, literally at my, I, remember, I was sitting at the, my grandma's house after church on March 8th, writing like this little coronavirus brief. And I was thinking, all right, finally got that done. I can enjoy my weekend with my grandma. And, and you know, that's that, uh, got that out the way. And then, you know, this, this will never really affect anything. And, you know, lo and behold, that was the start of everything. I mean, everything kind of caved when the NBA st- stopped on March 11th. I think that kind of woke the entire country up and then obviously you can see where we are now. So yeah, Mike, I, I definitely remember, I will I'll always remember my first coronavirus story that you assigned me 
And um, it's again, it's surreal to look back at how casual I was about it and then how vigilant I am now. And I'm sure you can feel the same way about just the safety precautions we take to really ensure that we're, you know, stay, that we stay healthy and we stay as safe as possible. Well, Rudy Gilbert, right? Yeah. Uh, our guy, our poster guy for <laughs> COVID awareness. Um, I think we all remember that. And I just saw this this video pop back into my timeline again, you know, where he did the post-game press conference yeah. and he grabbed everybody's phone, you know, and was making light of it. And then who is the first person who tests positive for COVID in the sports world and what gets shut down first, the NBA. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's uh, None of us knew what it was going to be like. Uh, when it happened, um, and uh, none of us expected this because uh, none of us were around for the Spanish flu pandemic in 1918 and 1919, obviously, 100 plus years ago. Um, it's been a remarkable uh, year, and it kind of takes us to our final uh, topic, which is uh, the stories of the year. The big stories were, uh, first of all, uh, the boys' basketball playoffs being shut down uh, after being first postponed and then canceled, and then the entire spring season being wiped out. And I guess kind of the corollary to that was instead we played through the fall and the winter with uh, all of the uh, stop, starts, pauses, cancellations, resumptions that you know we've been talking about today and uh, you know for the last however many months we've been doing the podcast so um, you know and we're not done yet I think that's probably you know everybody's and I've been one of the people saying good riddance to 2020 you know don't let the door hit you on the way out but <laughs> um, the reality is, is that you know the, the vaccines are here uh, the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine and uh our first responders are uh, getting them you know, every day and uh, also other uh, at-risk folks, including uh, long-term care uh, uh, residents. And, uh, you know, at some point, uh, a trend's going to come up, and I speak for myself, and I think I speak for you. You know, when our turn does come up, I will be gladly rolling up my sleeve uh, for that vaccine because I believe in vaccines and this is something I'm going to go up on a little bit of a tangent here because again I'm you know generation a couple of generations older than you um, you know when I was a kid um, nobody thought anything about vaccines and you know this will probably you know get a little uh, chatter going but uh, anti-vaxxers didn't exist when I was a kid um you know, I got vaccinated for everything that the doctor told my parents that I needed to be vaccinated for. And, you know, just a little bit, you know, I probably cried a little bit when I was really a kid, little, you know, like most little kids would. But, uh, you know, it's something that we did, you know, thanks to that, you know, I had a pretty uh, healthy childhood. And, uh, again, it's like, you know, the vaccine is important. You know, it's one of our best tools to fight this and get out of this and get back to where we want to be, which is being able to do all the things 
with fans and you know, and other media members, you know, or you can't hear yourself. Um, and it's a crazy atmosphere. Uh, we want to do all those things. We want to go to movies. We want to go eat in a crowded restaurant, you know, go on down the list. You know, we want to do all those things. You want to go, you know, sit and uh, give your grandma a hug, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> uh, after church on Sunday, you know, um, and all of these things that we can't do now. Um, so folks, please, I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the, uh, uh, about the stories in the year, but, uh, you know, and we say this for every podcast and we mean it, mask up, social distance, uh, be careful, you know, please, please, because we want you around and we appreciate, you know, all you've done to support us, uh, in the local media and we want you to keep doing that. So anyway, with that being, with that PSA out of the way, um, <laughs> you know, we can, we can move on to the stories of the year. It was the year of, um, those two things. I don't know. We need to say an awful lot more about the, the cancellations because we've been talking about that so much. But it was also a year of great achievements uh, for athletes from around the region. Um, we've had some state champs, uh, some other uh, teams and athletes who made it to the state finals. Um, we had um, on the broader scene, uh, we had athletes going to the biggest stages. Um, in baseball, um, among other sports. So, yeah, take it away. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty crazy year, um, one that you certainly won't forget. And we did a a joint, I guess, collective uh, uh, list of some of the top moments and, and top stories of the year. Um, you all can probably guess what, you know, what number one, number two are. But uh, sprinkled throughout, you know, we had Chesterton win a state championship in, in boys soccer, which was in historic fashion. Um, I covered that game, my only boys soccer game of the year. And um, it was certainly one I'll never forget just because it got out of hand in favor of Chesterton pretty quick. And uh, again, pretty unbelievably, like I was just sitting there like this has turned into not only a we want to stay championship story, but where do you rank them in history as far as how they won story? So I was looking at all types of like data to see, you know, margin of victory, you know, you know, uh, how many goals were scored in the first half of a game and things like that. And the IHSA was tweeting out, you know, records basically every time Chesterton scored at one point. So that was a great game. Um, we, you know, we had uh, Gary Native and Westside alum Dana Evans be named an All American. Um, you know, we had uh, Mike Brasso uh, in, in the World Series, another region uh, guy, um, you know, Karina James from Lowell winning the state championship, which marked their second state championship individual that is um, from that school. Gabe Sanchez won last year on the boys side. Um, and just, you know, those are the types of things that we were still able to write about in this year. And um, one thing I do want to touch on um, for all of you out there who are listening is that you know, before we had a chance to really write about, you know, all those things that we talked about in that list in particular, which were, you know, live sports events, there was a time where there were no live sports. And, uh, you know, back when, when Mike was on the, the more so on the sports desk and really leading the charge for us, uh, he was, you know, finding new unique ways for us to, you know, continue to put out daily content every single day in a sports section 
when um, no sports were being played and it wasn't, you know, a bunch of AP grabs like we were doing local copy. I'm proud to say that we were able to put out local copy every day throughout the entire pandemic. And, you know, obviously we're still going through it, but I should say just to, uh, I guess, clarify throughout that, that whole lockdown period where really nothing was going on in the sports world. We had local copy every single day. And, um, you know, there were conversations I had with Mike where we were brainstorming and pulling teeth to try to figure out unique stories to write and, and ways to find more story ideas in different schools to write about. But I think overall with, um, you know, I think we started off with like our top 10 games and, you know, of the past sports season, just to get us rolling. And then we also had, you know, the, the as holds. Um, with a lot of the spring athletes who, who lost their season and, and what they were doing in the meantime to stay ready or to you know prepare for college or prepare for their their fo- upcoming you know season and things like that and also you know we did the uh, we we did the senior spotlight pieces which ranged from you know cross country to to baseball to all types of things and um, I'm, I'm really proud of that Mike and I got to give you props man like you, there were some days where I'm like I have no idea how we're gonna get anything done but uh. We managed and we, we made it through the dog days of, of that. That was that was a grind, man. Like I remember being on the road so much, which I, I guess I'm back to doing now. But um, there was a time where like, you know, usually I'm in my car all the time. Like I just cracked 70,000 miles um, this week and I've only had my car for, you know, two and a half years. So, you know, there was a time there where I hadn't driven, you know, I could have like a, a tank of gas for like two weeks like that's how crazy it got and you know really just give you an insight into my life i'm at the gas station like every two or three days so we made it through my yeah yeah the uh we had to certainly brainstorm um but uh we did the several we did three different series i think right we did the uh my favorite games Uh, we did uh, extended spring break, which was the spring athletes talking about what they did um, instead of playing. And we also caught up with uh, a bunch of other athletes um, uh, oh, at yeah. college. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, one of the things about the region is there's a lot of stories out here. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it feels like there's too many stories, honestly. <laughs> because, you know, we, we want to get to all of them, believe me. Um, but we have, uh, you know, James is one person. And, uh, and we do have other writers, obviously. Uh, uh, some correspondents who help us out. Uh, and uh, Aaron Ferguson, who's the assistant sports editor now, is running the sports department. And uh, myself, you know, I try to write a column every week. So we all... I'll try to pitch in, but, uh, you know, that was one of the things that I guess that, you know, uh, we were able to do there. I'm not going to say it was a silver lining or, you know, or anything like that because we wouldn't want to go through it again, but, you know, it, it forced us to think about what other stories are out there. And we came up with some, I think, pretty good ones. Um, so yeah, and that is something we are proud of, uh, for sure that we were able to have a local sports story and, the paper every day since this began and including through the extreme lockdown when nothing was going on um we can't came out of that obviously it had different sports and stuff going on but uh 
and uh, it's been a it's been a remarkable year, I guess I would say, because again, through all of it, you know, we had some great uh, achievements. Uh, kids, uh, teams excelling through all of the, the difficult times, and uh, you know, and again, we've talked about occasionally on the Illinois side. Um, you know, we do cover a few schools on the Illinois side, and there have been no sports at TF South and TF North and Cal City and Lansing um, since March. Uh, they have, they did not take part in any fall sports on the Illinois side. There were only low-risk sports played, um, and there have been no sports at all. Winters, uh, winter sports played in Illinois at the Illinois High School Association uh, sanctioned sports. So uh, it's been a long, long, Layoff for them, and we're hoping that we get back to sports in Illinois uh, at some point in the spring. And obviously, we hope that uh, you know we get through the winter season and into the spring season for all those kids uh, you who know, didn't get a chance to play last year. Um, Andrea did not get a chance to defend its uh, baseball state championship. Washington Township baseball did not get a chance to get back to state. Um, because both of them uh, made it to Indy in 2019. And uh, we'll see how all that goes. Um, and that's about all I have. So thank you again for listening. Thank you again for reading. Thank you again for liking our tweets, um, retweeting our tweets. Um, you know, I want to thank everybody for every comment. You know, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, we appreciate we do appreciate uh, constructive feedback, um, and we certainly take that to heart. Um, for the non-constructive feedback, and I guess we probably should mention too. Um, you know, this is one of the things that uh, uh, you know. Sir, we also did uh, apart from the top ten stories, is all of us um, across the paper, not just in sports also talked about our favorite stories of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you will see those uh, rolling out. A lot of them have rolled out. Some of them are still to be rolled out. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a, a year when, and as we've talked about too, uh, this is a year when America confronted uh, a lot of issues that have been uh, overlooked for a long time. And uh, it's when sports and uh, current events kind of intersected um, as we talked about uh, not just the pandemic but also um, America's reckoning with uh, racial inequality um, highlighted in particular by the deaths of uh, a number of uh, black people who uh, were killed uh, this year Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, um, you know, and the, the list sadly, sadly continues to grow. And it is um, something that the sports world has uh, woke up to um, and is addressing using the platform that it has. To advocate for change in our society, which is needed 
unnecessary and overdue, in my opinion. And uh, I know that uh, you've written powerfully about this. I've mentioned this before in uh, some of your conversations with uh, uh, you know various uh, players and coaches um, in the region have really uh, helped to uh, move forward the conversation that we are having um, here and throughout the country. And uh, that, I think, is another uh, very big story. Um, And I know that uh, we know that there are readers who don't like us talking about that. And honestly, as you have said, we don't care. Um, because it's too important not to talk about it. So um, that's what I would say about that. And uh, if you have anything, um, you know, you want to get out there? Uh, uh, I guess all I'll say is, uh, you know, uh, as, as my grandma would say, if the Lord is willing, let, let's uh, all stay safe. And, um, you know, work, I guess personally, as I always try to do, uh, be a better person every day. And hopefully, you know, uh, 2021 is a little kinder to uh, all of us around the world. And, um, you know, like like you said, I'll be gladly rolling up my sleeve when it's vaccine time. And I might even try to do a cartwheel on the way out. So we'll see. Stay tuned. Might have to put it on, you know, social media and embarrass myself. But, hey, I mean, I, I'd rather do that than, um, you know, kind of keep doing what we're doing and just living the way we're living. I don't think, you know, life's supposed to be like this. It's like this for now. And, and obviously the measures we take, um, we have to take them serious. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to a lot of uh, return to normalcy things in 2021. Um, and then you can probably expect a column the first time I'm able to hug my grandma again. So just, uh, I guess, a little <laughs> teaser for, you know, six to eight to however many months it is from now, um, you know, Stay tuned on that front and you all stay safe. Have a happy new year and we'll see you in 2021.